back to the What the Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. We're coming to you a little bit earlier this week with Sunderland facing a Friday night game for, well, no apparent reason. Sadly, though, Friday's game does bring a little bit of a sense of dread as we face the former four in Joey Barton and, of course, Fleetwood Town. And to chat about Fleetwood's promotion chances, Joey Barton, and to preview Friday's game is Ben Natman, who runs the YouTube channel Cords Vlogs. How are you doing, Ben? Are you all right? Very good, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. It's only been the, technically the second time, but we'll, 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 we'll pretend I did press to record yesterday and this <laughs> happened. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, we'll start straight from the top. I think Fleet would have been doing all right. Five wins in the last six league games. You've won your last two games, 5-1 and 4-1 respectively. Are Sunderland facing Fleetwood at the wrong time, do you think? I think it's always a good time to play Sunderland and that's not in a rude way or a way that I think, yeah, not a good side. I think it's the, the intensity levels always go up when we play you because obviously we want to beat you. You're a big fish in a small pond in League One. But again, great form of like five wins in six, very good form, up to seventh in the relegation zone last month. We've really leaped on since then. So it is a great time to play you. Highbury is a fortress, as we've seen in many different years. We only lost there once in the league last year, twice if you include the playoffs. Obviously, we lost in the FA Cup as well. But again, we've been very good over the past few years. I think only Barton's only lost eight games there in his tenure. I think six came in his first year which, again, it's, it's, it's a great record. And a hybrid against Sunderland, who knows? Anything can happen, mate. Talking about sort of home and away form, I suppose it's a bit of a weird one. Our home form, in terms of games lost, has been worse since the lockdown in this season. And they're, they're having no fans. Have you noticed much of a difference between sort of home and away games? Do you still feel like, you mentioned hybrid was a bit of a fortress, so have you noticed the home games still feel like home games without the fans? At first, obviously, we were trying to rebuild our side. So, at first, it was a little bit of that. But I'll give one example. So, we were 2 up against Bristol Rovers uh, a couple of weeks ago. As you mentioned, we beat them 4-1. Now, we should have been beating that game 3 or 4-0 at halftime. Bristol come out, go and get a goal. Now, if they go and get a 2-1 with, what, six, seven thousand gas heads and got 2,000 behind the goal, they're roaring. It's like, come on, come on. And then it gets tough. I don't think we would have won that game 4-1. But because it's not, we re- we kind of revitalised and got the game and won four one. So I think it can mix and match for both sides. I think Sunderland will struggle obviously with the no impact on the players, and it can be a daunting place to go sometimes. But as a Fleetwood fan, I've not really noticed a difference. We've been quite good at home, been decent away as well. So hopefully that can continue on Friday night. I've been looking through, obviously, your team that played on, um, like, last last weekend in the 5-1 win. I think it was Finley, Camps got two West Burns, and Charlie Mulgrew scored. I could be wrong with this, but it looks like you're setting up in, like, a 3-4-3 formation. Is that about right? Well, I, well, one thing I will say now, Fleetwood have got the versatility. We've been playing 4-2-3-1 of late, so we've been playing a back four of Tom Edwards, Mulgrew, Connolly, Andrew... And then obviously Roster and Finley were holding, sometimes Whelan and Coots will come in. But obviously for the game, we brought a bit more energy. And then in a front three, in front of them is Burns, Camps, Morris, and then Madden. But however, out of possession last week is what we did well. We did go to a 3-4-3, where we went the centre-halves of Connolly, Mulgrew, and Tom Edwards slipped in there. Andrew and Burns were holding us like the wing-backs, really. Then we had a midfield two of uh, Roster and Finley. And then we had Morris, and then we had uh, Paddy Madden, and then we had 
Callum Camps at the front three, really. And it really worked well. We had those three tied to each other. And then kind of went out of possession. They go to 3-4-2-1. And they play as attacking midfielders. So I think it's good that Fleetwood have that versatility that they, that they can change to three or four different formations in, in games. And it's a really good strength to have where I think, well, look at Sunderland. You stick to one formation, one plan. And if that goes out the window, they're screwed, in my opinion. Yeah, you're actually not wrong at all with that. It, it, you sound like a Sunderland fan saying that because you're actually spot on. We we don't really seem to have a plan B. We have that sort of rigid formation that Parkinson likes to play, which I think a lot of Sunderland fans would like to see a little bit more versatility. But um, going into Friday's game then, do you think you'll stay in the same formation or do you think you'll go back to a flat back four again? I think I think it depends in game where if we're attacking, if we're on top. But we'll start with the four as we normally do, and we might go to a three. But there's so many versatility that like the subs we've mentioned: Paul Coots, Glenn Whelan, Barry Mackay. Um, and then you've got who, who the others? Ched Evans came off the bench the other day, and he's just like. He's really, really exciting as a Fleetwood Town fan. And we've still got Saunders, we've still got Stubbs, we've still got Coleman, Matete. There's so much depth in his Fleetwood midfield and it's absolutely scary and who knows. I'm talking about your midfield, one name that sort of really stuck out for me, not just because I live in Glasgow, obviously Barry Mackay's a big one, but Jordan Rossett is kind of almost like a forgotten man in the sense, obviously former Liverpool Academy player, went to Rangers, really couldn't get anywhere because of his injuries and it eventually got to the point where I think he was released or he went alone and released and has joined you permanently. But I've seen a lot of Fleetwood fans talking about how important he was on Saturday and how keeping him fit could really be the difference. So, What's his, uh, what was his performance like on Saturday and how important could he be? Unbelievable. It was a year to the day uh, on Monday where he got injured and he was unbelievable. He was flying into tackles. He was challenging. He put blocks in. He runs hard for the cause. He never stops running. And it's a big part for the, for the lads. He's a good leader off the pitch. He's a big talker. He's a scouser. He's a fighter. And if we keep him fit, we'll go up. Simple as that. When he isn't playing, what, what do you lose from the side then? How much does that affect your promotion chances if he breaks down with injury again? I think it's a difficulty where we are worried that he might come out and hopefully he doesn't because he's a good player, good leader and I really respect him. But we have got versatility there to cover him this season in Whelan and Cooks and in Matete. But, so I'm just hoping that he doesn't get injured but if he does, if he doesn't, if he stays fit, I've got no doubt that will go up. Going back to last season a little bit before we go on to this season and the form you've had sort of recently, um, it's been a funny old season for, for most of us this season, but last season was even weirder because of obviously what happened. Now, Fleetwood, one of the teams that did actually get a chance to have a stab at promotion via the playoffs. But if I remember rightly, you were on a run of form that could have quite easily put you into the automatic spots. And I think... I think if you'd won at Sunderland and we hadn't equalised, I think you would have went up in the automatic. So how did Fleetwood fans react to the, the curtailing of the season in the sense that it could have sort of disadvantaged you, but you also had that advantage of having a chance? Right. I don't want to be part of this podcast. because you just brought up bad memories that you scored in the last <laughs> minute. And you brought... No, I'm only joking. Uh, no, uh, it was tough. I think we would have missed out on goal difference when I had a look back by just a little. But... It's difficult because I felt that we were disappointed we didn't get automatic or a chance to finish the season I wanted. But we had a chance at the playoff. Wickham were happy that they were in. They were relieved. That suited them. They played a better football over the two legs. Actually, if I'm honest with you, 
the first leg we we were poor. I thought they just capitalised on that. And second leg we were the most dominant I've ever seen Fleetwood be. We were unbelievable that night, and we probably should have won it by six or seven. And we were unlucky, but we've moved on, and hopefully we have another chance at it this year. In the playoffs, you know, I think you said before, maybe the second game was a bit more like the Fleetwood we'd seen throughout the season. But the first game really wasn't anything like a Fleetwood performance that we'd seen under Joey Barton, especially. Um, what's changed from sort of last season, do you think, as a whole, maybe, in in specific that game against Wigan, the first leg, to make you believe that this season could be sort of a different proposition entirely and you could go up automatic or maybe through the playoffs? The squad depth is different this year. And last year we went through a run of 12 games where we only won one game. I'd say we had about 13 decent players that could play in the first team. And the other two were even Morris and Salby that were just outside. And we had Saunders come in. And then obviously we brought Mackay, Gibson, we brought Connolly, we brought um, a couple of others into the football club and they did really well. Wheeling as well. And it added depth to the side where we could bring, we had three or four decent subs. But this year we've got seven or eight decent subs that can make a difference. And the squad's different. And if you're going to get through League One, you need a squad simple as that. It's Saturday, Tuesday this year. It's a different League One than ever before. And the demands are there. And you're still playing the same amount of games, but you're playing probably in a less month. So you've probably got a game or two extra a month pretty much in the early stages just to catch up. And then by the time you've just had that little bit of rest, you might get a couple of weeks. Obviously, we didn't have a midweek last week, but we're back at it again for the next few weeks. And then we've got the Christmas period. And then it kind of settles down. And then we've got, obviously, the Easter period and then the end of the season. So that squad, we really will come in handy. And we've got experience and know how to win games of football. And experience in football, we've got a nice blend. We've got some youth, got some middle-aged players like sort of Callum Camp. We've got, obviously, Matete coming through, Hill coming through. But we've got some nice young players. We've got some nice old players in Whelan and Coots, Evans and Madden. We've got, we've got the nice blend. We've got some good middle-aged players in Morris and Burns as well. So who knows? I think this squad is capable of doing something spectacular this year. I'm looking through the players that you lost, and there's, there's a couple there that obviously have, throughout the years, maybe highly rated. I think Louis Coyle was obviously a big one. He went to Hull. But the biggest one for me, and I did actually want to ask about this, Ashley Hunter, a year and a half ago, one of the top assists makers in the league, I think. I think he was second behind possibly James Coppinger it kind of tailed off a little bit and he, he went on loan and I see that he's, he's left. What actually happened with Ashley Hunter? Well, I, 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 as a fan, uh, I'm not taking sides because I love Ash and I love Joey. So there obviously something happened. I think there was a disagreement there where Ash wasn't happy about not playing as much and mm-hmm. being used as an impact sub, which in my opinion he was better at at the time. But he obviously, he did not want to play football. He was 24, 20, 24 at the time, but he was kind of a mature 24 where he played over 150, 200 league appearances now and and he just wanted to be a starter. Half of them were off the bench, pretty much of them as well. And I don't think Barton liked that. He started hanging around with the wrong people, came in with the wrong attitude, Barton said. And it was right for both cases that Ash went away. And he's doing so well for Salford. He's scoring, he's assisting, and he seems to get that flair back. He's definitely not a League Two player, but hopefully he can prove Joey wrong. Obviously, Joey would like to be proven wrong. Obviously, we know what he's like. I think Dempsey, when he went to Peterborough, came back a different player. But we wish him luck at Salford, and 
again, a, a door closed at Fleetwood, probably not on the right level because he was good for us where he, where he was and give us a good five years of service. He's one of our, I think he's our second or third top highest goal scorers in the EFL. I think some Fleetwood fans stopped to remember that. But we can look and hopefully he's another one that goes and does well for his career. Talking about the players that you, you brought in, does that mean that Barry Mackay, who was a very similar player in my opinion, was almost like a direct high-level replacement? And because I know it's Barry Mackay occasionally comes off the bench, he'll start some games, but he's, he's quite a similar player, actually, Hunter, from memory. Yeah, he's got dazzling feet. He's good, quick. You, you can't give him a yard of pace. He's good on his left. He's good on his right. And some games he'll be good. Some games he won't be in the game. There's no middle ground, unfortunately, yeah. as far as I felt. But he's been very good for us so far. Rated him. And I think some games he's been unplayable. I think Sunderland away. I think when we played in the Papa John's, he was unplayable. I think when we played Wickham away, he was unplayable. So he's a good player, Barry Mackay. I think he's a replacement. I'd pick Ash over him, if I was honest, because I think Ash is more of a consistent player than mm-hmm. Barry, but I've not seen much of Barry, if I'm honest. I only saw, what, 12, 15 games last year, and and I met on streams where I can't get to see his movement as much, but he's a good player and decent replacement, and we've replaced uh, Louis Coyle, you mentioned before, we'll be replacing with a good another right-back from Stoke, and hopefully, I think, I think Miss Edwards is better going forward, but Louis Coyle, we wish him luck at Hull as well, a, a promotion rival. Talking of the, the transfers that you did bring in, I think the standout, statistically anyway, you'll know better because you watch it every week, but it's, it's Callum Camps. Now, we came from Rochdale, who were a nice football inside to watch, but they they are they do suffer because of that, I think, sometimes. But because he's gone into Fleetwood with maybe a higher calibre of player, is that what's happened with Callum Camps? Is you just playing with better players so you can see his potential a bit more? And, and how have you found him? 100%, and he's been given freedom to play. Under Bar- I think mean, he was playing under like a CDM or a centre defensive midfield. He's not that. He's an attacking midfielder. That's how you get goals out of him. And he likes to find pockets. He likes to cover out right. He's got a good work ethic. If you put good players on a, a decent player at League One, they're going to score goals. He's having a Josh Morris season like he did at Scunthorpe. I think Camps will get 20 plus goals this year, in my opinion. He's already at eight, so 12 more to go. And we've got like. 33 games, he's scoring a goal a game. We signed him to think, oh, 10 goals. I, I expect him to score about 40 goals. He's going to get a goal a game. Um, and it's all oh, it's unbelievable. And a great player. But yeah, Rochdale, I just think they need to win at all costs instead of playing this nice tick attack of football, a bit like MK Donlands as well. We can't say anything. We got beat off in Kedon's the other week, so I can't say anything at all. Um, but I get where you're coming from with, with Rochdale. It's a little bit too easy to, to play against, I think, sometimes and push high up the field and win it back. In terms of um, Fleetwood's team, one thing I've always thought with Fleetwood, there's a reason that they do well. And yes, I can look at the midfield and yes, I can look at the defence. But I think the reason that you've done always so well is you've got not just one, but two strikers, I can get you 10, 15, 20 goals, um, t- 10 being a minimum, 15 being the norm. Sunderland have never really had that since Josh Madger went, and that was the first six months of the League One season. So how important is it to have a player or two players that can score 15, 20 goals a season for you in terms of promotion chances and your hopes of getting up? Massive. Huge. It's the difference between a mid-table club and a promotion club in if you've got a striker that can score you 15 or if you've got two, it's 30 goals. I think by the norm of averages, you need between 80 and 90 goals. Really then you're thinking, Fleetwood have got Morris, you've got Burns, you've got 
different area goals. That's already, I'd say, 60 goals in those players that can score goals. Then you've got Mackay, then you've got Saunders, who will add a few. A few from defence from Mulgrew, a few from a full-back, possibly. So it's huge that you have a, a big chunk from the strikers, but it's important that you have goal scorers from different areas so to the strikers aren't allowed to score every week. And then if you have that, the strikers are less pressured and they might get the better out of themselves. So it's a huge uh, risk. And one thing I liked about Madri, did things that other players wouldn't do. And he scored against us, found a nice pocket, found a bit of space that no other player could do and put it in the corner and made it one each at the time. Yeah, and it, it, if you look at where Sunderland were with Maggio, obviously, I think it speaks volumes. But I think when you look at Paddy Madden in particular, he's been scoring 15, 20 goals for the best part of five, six seasons before he even came to Fleetwood. He's been there at sort of Scunthorpe, I think it was, you, you got him from. How reliable is Paddy Madden then? Oh, very. And you always get your goals. But one thing you will, you get a great attitude, a great player, a great lad, and you will get a player will work hard for the cause. He'll never stop running. He'll win pretty much every header from the opposition team's corner. And he's just a pleasure to have around the training facility. And much as that, you, you want to be around him and you want to listen to him and you want to be playing with him. And he's not just a great goal scorer, he's a great leader as well. And for me, a great future manager. Yeah, because he's, he's, I mean, he's not old, but he's, he's, has he not been on for 30, 31 now? So he'd be looking at... I think he's 30, 31. I think he's got another four or five years. Yeah, the, the best. And uh, very good striker and I love him to bits. Four goals, a couple of assists in there already. I think he'll get another 20 goals this year. Yeah, yeah, easy. Um, I need to come on to it. The zero love loss between sort of Sunderland and, and Joey Barton. But let's zoom away from that for a moment and forget that that rivalry sort of exists. Fleetwood, since Barton's came in, have become a very interesting proposition in League One, you could say. Um, what has Joey Barton brought to Fleetwood Town? Energy, enthusiasm, passion, and excitement to be around and you believe in a process. And you can talk to him and you believe everything he's saying. He'll get a player better, he'll, he'll bring the recruitment in, and he knows how to set a team up. So I think he's been... Absolutely superb so far. It's a pleasure to have him around as a manager. Do you know when he first came in with the, the reputation that he, he holds maybe outside of Fleetwood now, the reputation that you would you would have known when he first came in, what were your initial thoughts? Was it quite an exciting appointment or was it kind of the world of unknown? Negative at first, I'll be honest. I, was, I wasn't I was fuming, but I was annoyed thinking, it's Joey Barton. And then as I got to obviously re-read up on him and spoke to him, I thought, this guy's different. This guy's not like you hear on the media and he's been an absolute joy to talk. I've had numerous conversations with him. He's been brilliant with me. Obviously, he's supported me along with my vlogging. He's watched a few and he's enjoyed them and really helped me. And I think he's a terrific guy as well. And he's massively proved me wrong in the football style. I love to be proven wrong by when they have a negative opinion and he's done just that. I'll hold my hands up. He's, he's shot me. He's proved me wrong. And again, I'm hoping he can go and prove another doubt was wrong and get Fleetwood into the Championship, the first Fleetwood talent ever to be in the Championship this season. And talk, I mean, I'll get shot here for saying this as a, on a Sunderland part or a Sunderland-based podcast, shall we say, but there's a few people I know that have, I think someone had Joey Barton on, uh, my, my friend Callum had Joey Barton on a podcast and he gave him sort of four hours worth when he only anticipated an hour. And I've heard a lot of relatively decent stuff about Joey Barton since he's gone to, to Fleetwood in terms of his ability to speak to fans like how open and honest is he and getting involved with the fans on a community side oh he's, he's amazing honestly he is amazing and 
he, he'll talk to everyone all day. He'll have a chat and he, he'll make a joke. Or like one thing I was running at pool for, and he was having a joke. And come on, run quicker, run quicker. And again, he spoke to me after. Um, again, lovely guy, lovely guy. And um, he, he will go far in management. And if he can keep himself on the right footpath, which he has done recently, I think he'll manage in the Premier League, if not in five years, in the next couple of years, because he's got ideas that other managers don't have, and he, he he's a new young manager on the on the on the fresh. And yes, he wants to win, but he wants to win playing good football, and he knows how to win ugly, but most of the time it's good fluid football and attacking football, and he won't just sit on a one 0 lead. Sometimes he'll have to do. I think his game management has been spot on in the last two years, and. That's why we've been in and around the playoffs. When it comes to, um, I sort of, sort of spoke a little bit about it last night, but I remember when Sunderland appointed Paolo Di Canio and all the furore that came with that, and that one really didn't work out. But the first two games, it, it really did, obviously winning at Newcastle and then would be Everton. After that, it went a bit south. But I remember for the first couple of weeks, it really felt like a, a siege mentality, like sort of us against the world almost. When you've got Joey Barton as a manager, despite all the things you've just said about him, you probably know what um, reputation he has outside of Fleetwood. So does that give you kind of a us-against-the-world attitude that, and, and going into games, it's kind of like you, Joey Barton, and the fans and the team against whoever you're playing and it doesn't matter. Does it give you that siege mentality? I like it. And I said, um, sorry, obviously, can you, can you swear? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I, I said to uh, my mates, we've not pissed anyone off yet in League One. And we started to do that by bringing in these players. Oh, how are Fleetwood doing that? Salary cap, salary cap. We're, we're, well, we're, we're well below the salary cap. So before anyone gets on the high horse. And then, and people hate Barton. People hate Fleetwood now. And they want to see him fail. That's what everyone wants to do. Everyone wants to see Joey Barton fail. And now it just feels like we're annoying people now. And people don't want us to do well. And we flourished on that. And we've winning games of football and we're doing it in a good manner. So it's really, really good signs. And I'm really happy to be watching us at the moment. When it comes to playing Sunderland, then, I mean, like I said before, there, there is obviously, of course, there's a rivalry between us and Joy Barton. And if you want to pretend there's not, then I think on the whole, the, the majority of people do have an issue with them and vice versa. But when you come up against us then, do you have a similar sort of feeling with that, that you kind of know he's probably going to get under our skin and the game comes a little bit about us versus Barton and your team can just get on with it? Do you think that's why you've had good results against us? Spot on. Spot on. All your crowd, you're not on fleet on our place, you're on Barton. And he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. No pressure at all. You're just giving him crap. We'll, we'll go and flourish and show our football in ability. That is a brilliant question and you're spot on. Honestly, mate, I can't, I won't comment anything more on that because I, I couldn't agree more with every word you just said. I've had about five or six games to get used to what, what the situation is. And obviously I was in the, I was the first time I'd ever been in a press conference and I was in this press conference sort of last year. And in a way, it didn't matter what Phil Parkinson said. And we just scored in the 97th minute. It didn't matter what he said. All the journalists were waiting for Joey Barton because it was, what's he going to say? And, and he is whether you like it or not, whichever way you, you whichever side you, you sit on, he is sort of box office, I suppose, in a sense. And he does create that sort of siege mentality. And you can't really argue with his, his record at the moment. He is doing a really good job. Um, has he raised standards as well within the club since he's come in then? Um, I'd say so. Uh, he's not 
kind of wanting you to come into their work day or wanting you to not come in. But I think he's been a terrific guy, terrific manager, and he's definitely lifted the standards of some of the players and some have not been able to cope with the demands, some have, and it's really good to see. When it comes to, I think it was Rosie Swarbrick I spoke to a few years ago before our very first game, um, and Rosie was covering Fleetwood at the time, and, and she was working for, I think it was the Fleetwood Press or something on that line. Yeah, um, Blackpool Gazette. Blackpool Gazette, that was the one. Um, and she absolutely loved him. She was like bought into him within what would have been about two months, I think, at that point. Um, he seemed to have a really good ability to get people within the club sort of on his side. Um, has there ever been a point when he's been questioned? You mentioned before about you had a 12-game, I think 12-game with one win. Was he questioned in that period? It's difficult. Some did, I didn't. I, I was one that I didn't question. I was worried, thinking, what's happening here? I was stressed, thinking, oh... We're not playing good football. Is he going to be okay? But I knew, I knew he'd turn it around, and I've never asked for him out. And I was angry at the Barnsley incident, where I maybe said a few things that I shouldn't have said. But I didn't see the full picture. Since then, I don't think he's done anything. I'll be honest with you. And um, but as a manager, I don't think he's done too badly. And I don't think he's really had any spells. He's always won a game when when they've been on a bad run or. But when you see you do say that twelve game, we won't, we drew nine. We drew nine of those twelve games. So we weren't losing games. We, we lost two, and one was in the cup to Portsmouth. So I, I think the only one that we lost was to Burton Albion, where we lost in the last minute, where we deserved a point. So it was it was a difficult spell, and then we went on a, a decent winning run. So the, the, the drawing run actually turned into a nice winning run. So it was a, it was a decent record, and it was always going to come, always going to come. Moving away from Joey Barton a little bit, but staying sort of with Fleetwood, um, someone that was there before Joey Barton and the man that brought him into the club was obviously your chairman, um, Andy Piley. He's obviously invested a lot of time and effort in getting the club to where they're at at the moment because it wasn't that long ago where, where you were at. How good of a chairman is, is he to have? Oh, Pilly is the best chairman you could ever wish for. Honestly, he's done cheap coach travel. He's, I think he cheap for like food at grounds and affordable season tickets, makes it affordable to come and watch. And it's not that our oh, kids don't want to watch it. Kids will watch United and Everton and City and Spurs and Arsenal and Chelsea, these big clubs on TV nowadays, United as well. And a lot more are coming to Fleetwood because of Pilly's generosity, his tickets to the free to schools and cheap tickets, like a pound a match for under 16s. And he's brilliant to have. And he's a fans chairman. He's a football fan. He's so passionate. And when we win, he's absolutely annihilated. He, he put on free drinks after we beat Blackpool for the first ever time. He he gets involved with the community. He's, he's done so many little projects. He built like a park at Mayasco, I think, a few years ago. And he's built a new training ground, which is £10 million worth. And there's a bar there. And the things he's done will last hundreds and thousands of years this football club and it's it's so good to see. I think you, I can because I went to Fleetwood last year before the lockdown kicked in and I'm sure your program's only like 150. I was I felt like I was zooming back into like the, the mid nineties when I first started going to football. Look, they're only 150 aren't they programs. Things are really affordable. 
Yeah, less than that, mate, a pound. But it's, um, it's a smaller programme. It is a smaller programme. But what I like about it, they'll probably sell more at one pound than they will at three pounds. So that yeah. you are making more money. But people will spend a pound on a programme, even if it's not much in it, just as a collector's item. Like, I reckon I've probably got 300 programmes in total. Two, 300 programmes, I'd say, if I had to count. Uh, maybe even more than that, because my dad used to buy me loads of like big games, like... Uh, loads of like, I think he's got a couple of Blackpool ones, a couple of United ones, a couple of Spurs ones, a couple of City ones. It's mental. I think I've got obviously the Champions League final a few years ago. And just nice as, as a collector, like, I've probably not read 50, 60% of those. It's just nice to, oh, look, I, I was at this game, or oh, this person bought me that. And um, yeah, it's really, it's a really nice family club and you can get cheap beer, happy hour, away fans are allowed in to the bar and you mix before the game, which doesn't happen at a normal club, does it? And it's no. so good to see. And you've probably seen it. You've probably gone from the Premier League with the big boys to League One where, OK, your football team might not be as good, but you're meeting genuine football fans now. Do you know what I mean? Where who are who do love going down to the ground, who support the club, who keep the club afloat. And you get to mix in with, with football fans. And it does feel like an 80s, 90s approach. Like you say, obviously, I wasn't there. Uh, being born in the 2000s, 2002. Unfortunately, I never got to witness that, but... It just feels like that old school manner in League One. It's really nice, and Fleetwood have got that in abundance. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. You know, it's like this is one benefit of League One since we've been down. It, it is the fact that I've probably enjoyed away games, the, the actual football match aside. And I think when we went to Fleetwood, he had like a local busker on stage as well that was like playing songs like after the game. So he was getting local musicians up as well. Great. Like, you can't really ask for much more than that. I, I, I did enjoy my day out with Fleetwood. It was. Result aside and the, and the performance aside, which is normal with Sunderland, it was a good day, and I can see that for a few teams in League One. Um, was, was that the two-one one or the one-one one? The one-one went. The one-one when we do on New Year's, yeah, New Year's. Chad Evans and was it Maguire for you? Both penalties, weren't they? Both penalties, they were. Yes, depending on how we look at the first one, I suppose. Um, in terms of Sunderland, yeah, that was players, never a penalty. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, in terms of Sunderland's players, and I've started. Gradually here asking this question because it reminds me of how poor we can be. Um, but sometimes you get surprised. A few years ago, people would have said Aidan McGeady and it would have been the one answer. But there's always players that the opposition worry about, no matter how well or how badly the team's playing. Which Sunderland players do you look at and think could damage you on, on Friday? There's a few. Gooch is decent, scores goals. Charlie White, I know he's not obviously the best striker, but four goals already this year. He's capable of always notching a header or, or scoring a goal. So I think those two, I think obviously you've got Maguire in there as well. You've got a decent four, uh, back four. Obviously, I think you've still got 09, haven't you? Who's one of the nicest lads I think you'll ever meet. Obviously, he, he, I think that's one of the things from the documentary you can take away. Is yeah. he, and he just wants to get you up. And I don't think Sunderland have had that. I think they just had big timers in previous years and just wanting to come to Sunderland. Oh, oh you've made it because you're at Sunderland, but you haven't made it at Sunderland. You're in Sunderland's Worst team, aren't you? I mean, he wants yeah. to make that better. So I think those three or four players are good players. In um, you've got a decent goalkeeper, you've got a decent back four as well, back three, well, um, however you play, but decent team. And hopefully, it's going to be an interesting game. But you're a good side, and you'll be there or thereabouts this season. Do you know, with um, we're talking before about strikers and the fact that you've got a couple of strikers there that could quite easily get you 15 goals each on a, a good day or a good season, sorry. Um, you touched on Charlie White before, who has had a better season than usual, but Greg, obviously, not great at the moment, <laughs> just getting worse sort of week on week. 
And there's a few players that are the same. Danny Graham's not hit the ground running. Looks like he's no different to who he was a few years ago. Do you think, take away all the other things that happen, and on the pitch, that's Sunderland's biggest problem, that we don't have a striker that will guarantee you 15 to 20 goals? Yeah, because it's a motivation. Well, who's going to score for us today, lads? And you've got that. Oh, we've got Paddy, we've got Chad, we've got Morris, we've got Burns, we've got Camps, Mackay, Saunders. We've got six or seven there I just mentioned. You don't worry, you can the stress is off. But when you got when you don't have it, it's like some of us lads need to step up to the plate and score. And I think it could be a worry for you this year. Yeah, yeah. The thing it's been a worry for us since, like I say, since matches went. But um last but not least, I'll go with my predictions first. I fancy a two-nil defeat, unfortunately. Um it's kind of the way things are going at the moment. What are you going for? I'll go one one. I go I'm gonna change the score. I'm gonna go white. Why it's going to be Wyke or Maguire to score, and I'll go Evans for Fleetwood. Oh, awesome, Ben. Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate you coming. No on. worries, it's, mate. This is the second time we've recorded, so it is even more appreciated than I usually say to my guests. But um, enjoy, enjoy the weekend, but not Friday. All right.